How many of you would like to have more money this year? That's, you can't get a harder right than that. I'm just saying. You want more money this year? How many, how many of you? Yeah, I'd like to make less money this year than last year. Any, anybody like that? I'd like to take a 10% drop in salary. Thank you. How many of you would like a deeper relationship with your kids this year and your grandkids? How many of you would like to connect with your spouse in a way that you hadn't connected before, ever? How many of you would love to be respected in a way that you'd never really been respected before? People are like, man, I really see Christ in you. How many of you would really love if you could have a breakthrough in your own devotional life of you know, reading and studying the Bible and prayer, and you'd like to have a breakthrough and go, wow, this was the year that I really connected with God on a deeper level. How many of you would like to know how to be a better friend so you wouldn't be so lonely? Welcome to Proverbs. Proverbs is the most practical book in all the Bible. Proverbs is a manual, a how-to do life successfully. Proverbs is all about wisdom. What is wisdom? It is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. And Proverbs 1 verse 4 says that the purpose of Proverbs is that we may live disciplined and successful lives. What is the definition of success? It is certainly not having more money. It is certainly not having more things because we all know people who have a lot of things and have a lot of money and they don't feel that happy. The average, you've heard me say this before, $75,000 is the average income in America that if you make more than $75,000 a year, you're no happier. If you're making $30,000 and you bump to $75,000, you're happier. If you're making 75, but suddenly you bump to 475,000 a year, you're actually no happier. Did you know that God does want you to be happy? The purpose of Proverbs is to get us to a place of seeing and doing life from God's perspective so that we get his definition of success and his definition of happiness that we really experience something genuine deep on the inside. And one of the ways, we, so this whole series on Proverbs is about looking at different ways in which we can experience God's success, God's happiness in wisdom. Last week I talked about the power of your words. Proverbs 18, 21. In the tongue is the power of life and death, and all eat its fruit. You eat your words. Words, words are valuable. This morning I want to talk to you on the subject of time. A big part of living a happy life, a successful life, is how we manage our time. Have you ever thought, I just wish I had more time in the day? If God would have made 25 hours instead of 24 hours, I would be a lot happier. Some of you are thinking, some of you in your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, and you're thinking, where's all the time gone? You can look back and go, whoo! Hey, those of you who are in your 20s or 30s, you're like, is this going to be an old people's message? Because if this is going to be an old people's message, I can just check out. Can I tell you something? You won't always be 20. 
And you will not always be 30. I can tell you, in my head, right now, in my head, I feel like I'm 25. If I could just get my body to align, I'd be good. So what do we do with all of our time? Well, one-third of our lives is spent sleeping. That's, that's probably no-brainer there. One-third of our lives is spent working. Probably another no-brainer. But what do we do with the other one-third of our lives? Did you know the average American throughout their lifetime will consume 35 tons of food? Eat 11,113 M&Ms. And will eat out 14,111 times, including 1,811 times to McDonald's. Did you know that the average American will spend 13 years and four months watching television? Five years waiting in lines. Six months, if you're a man, six months shaving. Women will spend one year of their lives deciding what to wear. <laughs> you know, Holly sends me a text every once in a while during the message, and she'll say, don't judge me when you come home because the bedroom's a disaster. And I'll come home, and there'll be like seven outfits laying all over in various stages. And I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. We'll do whatever you want to do. Men will spend one year of their lives staring at women. We will spend one year of our life looking for misplaced items. And we will spend two weeks of our lives kissing. How are you spending your time? Um, a lot of times we come up with reasons why we don't have enough time. Oh, if I didn't have to bring my kids to this activity or that activity. Oh, if my husband or my wife would do this and that, I'd have more time for it. We come up with all the reasons why we're not spending our time as profitably as what we'd like to. The Bible has a lot to say about time. Not just in Proverbs, but all over the Old Testament and New Testament, time is a big subject. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 17 is the go-to in the New Testament for time. And it's um, the Apostle Paul saying these words, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. The King James Bible says, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So the question this morning for the next few minutes is going to be, how do you actually do that? How do you redeem time? Because they're not making any more of it. To redeem time, in the Greek, this, this passage, to redeem time means literally to buy it back. How do you buy back? Instead of reacting to life and just kind of going through life, going, hey, you know, whatever happens today happens, how can you actually shape your schedule in a way in which you have time to do the things that you want to do 
and you have time to do the things that God has called you to do. Well, this is what Proverbs is about. If we were to take every proverb, because I did this week, let me, let me just tell you how I prepare messages. I read the entire book of Proverbs every single Monday. The entire book. And I go through, and whatever the subject is, so today was time, I'll go through and I'll just circle all the verses, all the Proverbs that have something to do with how we use our time, and then I just shape them and say, okay, what are the common themes here? And so I want to tell you that there are three common themes in the book of Proverbs about how we use our time from a Christ-like perspective. So let's begin. Number one, if we're going to redeem our time, we need to start to think before we do. Proverbs 24, 27 says, do your planning and prepare your fields before you build your house. Okay, have you ever been in the middle of doing something and had this thought? I don't even know why I'm doing it. I'm not even sure it's my job. Somebody else could probably be doing it better. I mean, there was a need, and I just picked it up, and I just started doing it, and am I the only one that's ever had that experience? I don't even know why I'm doing it. Thinking before doing means planning. Solomon simply says, you know, before you start building your house, you've got to plan out your house, and you've got to plant your fields, because in that agricultural society, you don't want to have harvest at just the time you're building your house, right? Because now you've got two major things going on at the same time. So if you don't plan before you build your house, you end up with this. I don't know, but I don't know how you build a house and it flips completely over. Okay? Thinking before you do also means focusing. That's why Proverbs 17.24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. I think we're living in an age of distractions. I I read something this week that blew my mind. The average person touches their smartphone 2,617 times a day. And a heavy user of their smartphone touches it 5,427 times a day. I wanted to check to make sure I didn't have my smartphone in my pocket. I left it right there. Because Holly texted me during the sermon. A couple of suggestions on how to be more focused. Set your phone and devices on do not disturb. Forever. Turn off all the notifications on all apps, on all devices. Protect at least three hours each day to do the most important work and let nothing distract you. Give up on multitasking and focus on one thing deeply at a time because multitasking is no tasking. Go to bed earlier and make the morning undistracted, productive time. How are you doing with focusing? 
particularly as it relates to your time. We waste a lot of time simply because we're out of focus. Okay, number two, the second theme in Proverbs is get rid of time wasters. Proverbs 12.11 says it's stupid to waste time on useless projects. It's stupid to waste time on useless projects. So in Proverbs, what are some major time wasters? (coughs) Pardon me. Some of it may surprise you. First of all, Solomon says a major time waster is nursing anger. A fool, Proverbs 12, 16 says, is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Why is anger a big time waster? Have you ever had your feelings hurt by somebody you really liked? And they wounded you. And you spend some time, you know, just trying to make sense. Why would they say what they said? Why would they do? Why would they betray me the way they betrayed me? And, you know, and you just kind of go through this time of trying to process. We all do that. There's nothing wrong with that. We're just trying to figure out how do we manage these feelings. But how many of you know people, and maybe you struggle with it, where months go by and you're still struggling with anger toward that person or people who have hurt you, and then it begins to subside, but then something else happens, and it just brings it all back. And you spend even years sometimes having this low-lying anger underneath, and then on a bad day, you know, on a rainy day, and you know, not everything's going well, and you find yourself staring out the window for 15, 20 minutes, 35, 40 minutes, about thinking about that hurt that you had three years ago. You, you know why that's a time waster? Because it already happened, and there's nothing you can do about it. Let it go. The time and energy that we waste on stuff that we can't even do anything about anymore, it's over. Those words were said. Those actions were done. Whether There's nothing you can do about it. The wisest thing to do is to lay them at the foot of the cross and say, I'm releasing those feelings of anger. Many of us are just replaying various hurts that we've had many years ago. We're just replaying them in other relationships over and over and over. It's a big time waster. Two, laziness. Did you know that laziness is a big theme in Proverbs? Proverbs 19.15. Laziness, laziness costs one, I'm sorry, laziness casts one into a deep sleep, unmindful of lost opportunity. Remember Ephesians chapter 5, making the most of opportunities? And the idle person will suffer hunger. So, um, do you remember this movie from Pixar? I think it's Pixar, right? Wally? Technology was supposed to help us save time so that we could do more significant things with our lives. 
But according to a recent article from a tech magazine, that actually hasn't happened. Okay, now don't shoot the messenger here. I'm just passing it along. Americans are getting lazier. And this, this tech article said that actually our technology isn't providing a platform for us to be more productive. It's actually providing a platform for us to be lazier. And they gave 11 examples of how we're getting lazier. I can't do all 11. I'm just going to do two. The only reason why I'm doing these two is because we all know it. Um, we can consume massive amounts of entertainment and 24-7 news and do, our, do all of our online shopping while never leaving the sofa. You know, how, you know those things, those big stores that we call malls? Who goes to them anymore? Hey, who would, have, who would have anticipated that Sears is on their way to bankruptcy? J.C. Penney is just barely hanging on. Right? Because we've shifted as a culture. I'm not saying it's good, bad, right, or wrong, but according to this tech magazine, we're just getting lazier. Here's another way that we're getting lazier. We're using GPSs. I use a GPS to go places I already know how to get there. I don't even know why. I, actually, I do know why. Because if you use a GPS to go someplace you already know where to go, if there's a little bit of a traffic jam, it'll say faster route. And I can shave a minute. Okay, did you know this? This is another study being done. We're getting dumber. Not only are we getting lazier, we're actually getting dumber. And here's the reason why is because we're, we're always focusing on our GPSs and we're not using our critical thinking skills. You know, how you, you know those things that we call maps? I'm down in the city the other day, and Holly's with me, and we're, we went to, to make a hospital call, and you know, I got, kind of got turned around, and I turned to Holly and said, do you remember years ago when we were down in the city and if there was a, a problem, you know, we'd either have to pull out a map and as I'm driving, you're telling me, make a left, make a left, right? We're just getting dumber because we're not using our critical thinking skills to solve problems. You know another time waster? We're hurrying too much. We think that when we hurry... We're being more productive. But hurrying too much actually creates more problems than if we were just pacing ourselves. You ever lost your keys? And you're going around the house? Who took my keys? On Friday... Um, Holly and I were going to Montgomeryville because we had dropped one of our cars off to get new tires and the, the, the shop was in Montgomeryville. And it was about 8, about 7.30. And, you know, it was dark. And it was kind of rainy. We didn't feel like going out. We were like, oh, okay. We've got to go pick up the car. So the shop was already closed. So I said, just lock the key in the trunk and we'll just go pick it up after the shop, you know, is closed. So we drove over there, and it's dark, and I'm shining the lights on the car and just make sure how I can get in it. And I go around the back, and I get out of the trunk. I, I get the key out of the trunk, and I put the trunk key on my key ring, you know, the key fob, and I put it in my pocket. 
And we drove off, both of us, to go to our next errand that we needed to run so we can quick get in our pajamas, get home, and just relax. And we went to this other store, and we got home, and as I was parking the car, I grabbed my keys and realized I don't have the key fob. I'm like, I know I put it on the key ring. So I look all in the car, I look underneath the seats, I look all over my car, I can't find it. And I thought, well, you know, I, we got the car inspected too, so I thought, well, you know, maybe I, I dropped the key fob in Holly's car because I went in the glove compartment. I looked all over her car, she didn't have it. And then I thought, maybe I dropped it in the ShopRite parking lot. So I go back to ShopRite parking lot, and I'm, I'm with, my, with my phone, flashlight, <laughs> all over where I parked. Then I went in and I retraced my steps all through ShopRite. And I'm talking to people that I'd seen in ShopRite. Hey, you know, just go to customer service. Hey, if you find a key fob, get, right? They can't find it. I can't find it. I have to go back to Montgomeryville, and now I have my phone out in the parking lot of the tire shop. Because maybe I dropped it there. I can't find it. An hour and a half later, I pull back in the driveway. Now I've combed our driveway again. You know how you start looking at places you've already looked before? I go back in my car, and one more time, I look underneath my seat, and there is the car key. I wasted an hour and a half of my life that I will never get back. Why? Because I was hurrying. We waste a lot of time just because, you know, we're just doing two things at one time. We're not really fully present. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.30, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. And Proverbs 12.25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. We, we've got to have some emotional management. How many of you just get so hyped up emotionally that you're spinning emotionally? And when you have to make decisions, you're not really fully present. And when you're not fully present, you make mistakes. Have you ever said yes to something and you've been regretting saying yes ever since? Just because you weren't there. Number three, a third way to redeem the time is to commit your time to the Lord. Proverbs 10.27 says, Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Whoa, what does that mean? Reverence for God adds hours each day. Here's what that means. The time that you don't think you have to have daily devotions, time alone with God? What I have found after many years of having my devotions on a regular basis is that that half an hour or 45 minutes that I spend with the Lord reading and studying the Bible and praying, that's not a time waster. That doesn't take away from my day, it actually adds time to my day. Now stop and think about that. 
We think because we're so busy that we don't have 15 minutes to have our devotions with the Lord. And what this scripture verse is saying, if you'll take that 15 minutes, that 30 minutes, that 45 minutes, and spend time with the Lord, He will redeem the time. And what I've discovered in my own life is that if I spend a half an hour or 45 minutes with the Lord, I gain an extra hour in my day. You know how that works? Because when I spend time with the Lord and I talk to Him about the things that I'm doing today, sometimes I'll have thoughts like, I don't need to do that. I don't need to make that phone call. Oh, look, instead of going over here and going over here and going over here, I could do going here, here, and here. And that shaved off 20 minutes of driving because I was just thinking it through. If you will give the Lord your day and talk to the Lord about your day in your daily devotions, The Lord has a way of redeeming time, of whispering little thoughts that you may not even know are the Lord that says, no, don't do that. Do this. Make that phone call. Don't make that phone call. Make these three phone calls. Don't make those two phone calls. It works the same way in worship. Many times we have a hard time getting to worship because we're like, oh, I'm just, I need a mental health day. Sunday, I run Monday through Saturday. I can't come to worship. You know, I just... Listen, the hour or two that you spend in church, you're redeeming the time. You're not losing that hour or two, you're gaining hours. You're not losing them. This is the best investment of time that you can make, just like your daily devotions. This is the best investment of time you can make. Here's why. Have you ever come into a worship service feeling scattered or unfocused or upset or whatever, and then you walk away from a worship service feeling motivated feeling more focused, and it changes your week. And in changing your week, you end up shaving off throughout the course of your week, if you really stop and think about it, you end up shaving off a couple hours of wasted time and you didn't know that you could actually trace it back to the time that you experienced that in worship. Reverence for God adds hours to your day. It never subtracts. The smartest thing you can do is spend time with the Lord each day because he'll help you reprioritize. Smartest thing you can do is just make worship a regular habit because he'll just reprioritize your day. Listen to Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. You don't need more couch time. You need more Christ time. The more time you spend focusing on the things of God, the more strength you will have to meet the challenges of your day. Ask God to direct your time. Listen, I pray about everything. I pray about my key fob. I pray about everything. I pray about the time. God, can you help me shave off a little bit of time here? I'm feeling a little stressed out. God, will you help me reorient my time? You pray about everything. And you commit your time to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord completely. In everything you do, you put God first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Okay, I want to close just one more more thing. Time management. Why? Who cares? Who cares if you shave off a half an hour or an hour a day? Who cares how you arrange your time? 
Why does that matter? What's the purpose of redeeming the time? Here it is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You are God's masterpiece. And He has created things for you to do long in advance, good things for you to do. Now here's what I think. The purpose of good time management, being wise with your time, isn't so that you can do more work. The purpose of time management is that you can see life from God's perspective more clearly, and when you do that, you end up seeing all the good things that God puts in front of you that you couldn't see before because you were so preoccupied and hurried. God has good things for you to do in your family. Did you know that? It's your job to create enough margin in your schedule that you actually have time to spend with your family. That's deeply spiritual. God wants you to learn to manage time in such a way that you can lay on your kid's bed at night and read bedtime stories and hold their hands and pray together. God wants you to manage your time so well so that you can actually have dinner together every night and talk about your day. God wants you to manage your time so you can get to the point of having margins so that you're not hurrying from one activity to the next activity because anxiety weighs a man down. God is not up there in heaven going, more, more, I want more from you. God is on your side. He's up there in heaven going, hey, relax, chill out. Because when you're chill, you see things that you didn't see before. Opportunities for service. God wants you to have time so you can serve in the church. Yep, I said it. We're looking for people for a chair crew. At 7.15 in the morning, I'm having a conversation with the rest of the pastoral staff. What are we going to do because we don't have a chair crew anymore? Um, let me tell you a little secret. In the last quarter, we're just getting these statistics out. In the last quarter, we've had more than 1,000 different people attend worship. Different people. It's you, and it's five, our attendance. This, you know, our attendance today will be around 500 people. But actually, we're a church of at least 1,000. People just keep cycling through every couple weeks. You know what it's like. You don't, you know, a lot of people don't come every week. They may come every other week or every fourth week. The average person who comes to church out in America is one out of every four weeks. If we can't find a chair crew in 1,000 people, we're in trouble. Oh, we're just too busy. You know what? If we could manage our time better, we could serve. And if we serve, we're always happier when we serve, by the way. God's giving you a gift. He's giving you an opportunity when he calls you to service. You know what else? God wants you to manage your time well so you can get involved in the community. That's called mission. What you do for the Lord of the church is called service. What you do for the Lord outside the church is called mission. 
If you live in Hatfield, Hatfield is your mission field. I live in Satterton. Satterton's our mission field. You know where my mission field is in Satterton? Planet Fitness. Hardly a day goes by that I do not have somebody come up to me and say, I heard you're a pastor. And while I'm on this machine, they're pouring out their heart to me and asking me advice. That blows my mind. I never saw that coming. Managing your time is profoundly spiritual. Because God has good things that he's created in advance for you to do. You need to have eyes to see and ears to hear what those good things are. And you need to slow down and have margin in your life enough to see them. Does that make sense to you? Okay, let's stand. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for coming to this earth in real time and leaving the security and splendor of heaven so that you could live among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And part of that sanctifying process in our lives of you helping us to become more like you is how to manage our time. We want to redeem it well. So God, today, would you give each of us the practical tools that we need to stop wasting time, to commit our time to you, so that we can actually live a sustainable pace And the relationships in our lives would be healthy. And we wouldn't be rushing from this activity to that activity, but we would be wise so that we can see the bigger picture of what you have for us to accomplish in this world. Right now I pray a blessing over every person. I pray a blessing over their schedules this week. God bless them with abundant time. God, would you flourish our devotions? Would you flourish our worship? Because we're carving out time in what's most important. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, it's great to see each of you. Have a wonderful week.